Hey everyone, and welcome to episode two of UbiChat, a Ubisoft fan podcast where we cover everything under the Ubisoft sun. I'm one of your hosts, Nate, and with me as always is my good friend, Nick. Wait, we're friends? Nickelodeon. <laughs> what you been up to, Nick? How you been? Ah, oh, pretty good. Actually, pretty busy. Got, got some stuff going on in the background. So, got some but. stuff in the can. Yeah, I've been good too. Uh, I've just been kind of adjusting to my new job, but I tell you what, I'm excited to talk about some Ubisoft today. To start off, I do want to remind you guys to go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at our at our Twitter <laughs> at UbiChat. <laughs> I don't know, let me do that again. I'm getting stumbling on my words, Nick. <laughs> I do want to remind you, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. We have two pages. Uh, Where is that? At UbiChat is the first one. And at TX3 Productions. Uh, We have close to 50 on both of those. We're sending about 45 at UbiChat and 47 on TX3. So it would be awesome if you could get either or both of those to 50. We would greatly appreciate your continued support and feedback. So let's go ahead and jump right into chat room. Now, chat room is basically our weekly grind segment. Talk about what we've been doing, what games we've been playing, mostly Ubisoft stuff. If not, you know, we'll just talk about kind of what we've been doing throughout. So, uh, start off, Nick. You have been playing the Crew Two beta. Yep, I I played the Crew Two beta. Um, I I definitely. Th- thought about purchasing it just you know because obviously i want to try to inform people of the nation here about how it is or um but haven't really gotten around to it um i'll i'll spoil the ending right here i think it's going to be a wait for a sale um i really liked it i i thought it was i thought it controlled very well but it kind of was just kind of mediocre as far as like i like the concept of it i like the premise of it but the actual execution the fact that you know it's supposed to be a mmo carpg you know it's it's i don't know i there wasn't a lot that like stuck out to me like oh my god i have to get this right now but the good things is let's talk about some positives the good things is the visuals visuals are so cool the fact that you can pause your menu at any time, pretty much, um, I guess as long as you're not in a you know map or a, a race or something, you can pause your menu at any time and you can zoom out and in. Now, the cool thing about this is I can go all the way out and it's just basically like a map of the United States. It's scaled down and once again, Boise is not on it. I digress. But do we need um, to pick? Do we need to pick it? Do we need to pick it? Ubisoft. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let, come on, Ubisoft. I think I, I said this last time when I was talking about Crew 1. I think one major city from each state would have been weird. But here's the weird thing. Salt Lake, which is on like very, very west part of the United States, is kind of like the center of the United States. I understand they had to take some creative um, liberties license, licenses so that they could fit in the whole u.s or whatever but it just looks so weird when salt lake is not only more north than it should be but also way more east than it should be 
you know, anybody who knows the United States is like, wait, what? Where's Seattle? <laughs> Where's Las Vegas? Las Vegas is actually like probably 500 miles away from what it, where it really should be. But positives, positives. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so back to the zooming out and in. I can zoom all the way in. Like, let's say I'm in, you know, bumfuck nowhere in the middle of the desert or whatever i can zoom all the way out i can move over move my cursor over to las vegas i can zoom all the way into las vegas i can watch cars go by i can look at street signs you know and it's like the fact that that happens so seamlessly there's not a loading screen there's not like it doesn't have to it doesn't have to like skip at all the fact that i can zoom out and zoom in anywhere in the United States, quote unquote, is really cool. And that is amazing. The fact that they're able to have such a gigantic map and still be able to like render cars and, and streets and the lampposts and everything at, at any moment on the exact opposite side of the map is freaking astounding like it is so cool that you can do that um some more positives the driving seems really nice um i'm not too much of a simulation kind of guy um i play games for fun i don't know about you but i play games for fun so having something like driving being so realistic that i need to worry about like eight different things like my transmission and my you know like making it a simulation is just not that exciting i want to have fun with it so crew 2 is very much an arcade type of game and i really appreciate that because also you do have flying and boats so having the flying and the boats a lot more arcadey is just makes it fun so having the boats handle very easily a lot of people would look at that as a negative like oh they don't feel right but actually making them arcadey just makes it simple you know the controls for a car are very similar to like the controls for a plane i mean obviously you still have to worry about like pitch and yaw but not to the degree of like a battlefield because like battlefield is a lot more like they're worried about realisticness and and it's all more that. of a sim yeah exactly yeah. it's a wartime simulation and so they are a lot more in depth with their pitch and yaw and everything which whereas this this is just you're supposed to have fun you're supposed to level up and everything so you are going to get better as you go but yeah i mean it's just so much more fun and i really appreciate that because like i don't know it's just it, it just makes it fun you know and being able to switch from a car to a boat to a plane and having them all handle similarly i mean obviously like a boat for instance if you if you push backwards you're going to get just a little bit of a speed boost because like you're angling the motors further into the water so obviously you're going to get a little bit of a speed boost give me a sec <sighs> taking a drink <laughs> um so the arcadiness of it is just really fun and that's that's what it is um, but I also kind of feel like that is part of the deterrent and part of the reason why I like it. I just don't 
$60 like it. <laughs> right. Be- because, um, like, I think I would have fun with it. And if I could get a crew together, huh? Crew. <laughs> if I could get a crew together, I think it would be fun, you know, going on missions together and exploring the United States and stuff. And their off roading is really fun. But the same reason it's fun is also the same reason it's not. For instance, I went a hundred miles per hour straight into a rock and nothing happened. I didn't crash. My fender didn't get dented in nothing. It's, it was completely fine. I just kept going. And so, you know, something as small as that is, is like a huge deterrent for me. Cause it's like, I don't want it to be a simulation, you know, in the sense that, you know, I have 8,000 things to worry about, but something as simple as a crash or even just vehicle damage kind of seems like it would just add to the carpeginess of it rather right. than taking away because then getting like better shocks would make more sense if, if I hit a, if I hit like really, really patchy rocks and I go over them for too long, it, it could damage my shocks like just like in real life. And so then I'd have to replace those, you know? And so having some, having something like that in the game to just add to the depth of the, the carpg would make more sense because then like before going in and doing like a, you know, 30 mile trek or something, I'd want to make sure that my, my shocks are fully repaired so that in the middle of it, I don't get like a 5% debuff on my speed or handling or something, you know, it would just add to the, not, not subtract. So little things like that. And then obviously doing, doing um, like a street race or something, or even in boats, you know, and I hit somebody and yeah, it, slows my car or boat down but nothing really happens you know and so even though the arcadiness just makes it fun and makes makes it so i can goof off it also just really detaches me from the game itself so it's like i am constantly reminded i'm playing a game and no matter what i hate that feeling you know, even if I'm playing a cartoon game where I'm playing as like Bugs Bunny or something, I know it's not real. But the second you keep reminding me that I'm playing a video game rather than experiencing a, a story or something, that's when it's like, okay, I, I don't really like this. You know what I mean? Well, something I find super interesting about The Crew 2 is how close to release they release their beta. Oh, yeah. You, it was pretty know, much the full game, only, I mean... I like mean, I, I can see if you it as a carry your progress over. I don't know. I can Go see ahead. it as a I can see it as a marketing play. Like, hey, nobody's right. talking about the crew two. Let's <laughs> have you actually get some hands on, and right. then hey, the game comes out in less than a month. So that would make sense. But like, if it was for stress testing or anything like that, yeah, why not do it a little bit earlier in development? You know? Yeah, I, I think. I think for one, uh, the crew and the crew two, other than now you can be a boat and a plane, there's not a lot different about it. It's pretty much the same game engine, the same game mechanics, only now you have boats and planes. 
And so I feel like the infrastructure that they built for the first game, they pretty much just made it better. This is more like Crew 2.0 than actually Crew 2 because there's just not a lot about it that sticks out to me like, oh, this is like, this is leaps and bounds different than the first crew. Now, granted, the first crew, I didn't, you know, have like 60 hours plus into it. But still, I, I, I still feel like it's pretty valid to say that, you know, the same beta that I would have played for the crew, there's not that much that felt different about it rather than like one one beta of battlefield versus another beta of battlefield can feel loads different so so yeah i liked it and i it's very gorgeous and it's it's fun but yeah just not quite 60 dollars fun so if they go on sale and it's more like 30 dollars or something like that and it you know just happens to be just in time for when i need something new I could see me getting it then, but probably not any sooner. Well, if you guys are interested in the crew too, or you played it and want to tell us your thoughts, you can go ahead and tweet at us at UbiChat, and we'd love to talk to you about the crew. See if you picked it up. See if you're going to wait like Nick and wait for a sale. For me, eh. like if it's a PS Plus game down the line, that'd be great. But oh God, it's yes. it's not it's not my immediate pickup, obviously. Yeah, if they came um, out with a free version of it where, like, I have, like, a freaking Volkswagen bug <laughs> or something, yeah. you know, and, like, it's the crappiest bug and I have to, like, really, you know, grind or something or, you know, God forbid I have to, like, do microtransactions or something. But, like, I feel like that is one of the problems when it comes to certain games like this. You know, I pay the upfront 60 $60 fee to grind my way up to the best car. Whereas like if it was a free to pay game and I put $60 into it, I could have like, let's say a Lamborghini on day one. And so now it's more about my skill than it is about grinding my way through a game. And so I don't know. I feel like this game could really do for a free to play version of it. You know, and it would have a lot less. Maybe you could only go up, you know, if if the level cap is, let's say, 30, you could only go up to like 15 or 20. Um, But I feel like it could benefit from that because then if you've invested 15 to 20 levels in it, we you'd have to assume that, okay, I want to make the plunge. I want to make the update, you know, or something like that. I, th- I think it could benefit from it. Yeah. That sounds like it could be a really good model for it. That's actually something I thought about while you were talking is I wonder yeah. if they would ever consider going free to play, um, especially if they, you know, because I don't really think, well, no, I don't want to say that because you have Warframe and other games, but there's not a whole lot that come to mind specifically in that genre. I don't think there are any uh, where you have free to play RPGs, you yeah. know, so they could really corner that market. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that it is a car game, I think could also you know, there are plenty of dorks out there who love, like, GTA and uh, Horizon. Horizon? For Forza Horizon, right? Yeah, Forza Horizon. Yeah. I'm not an Xbox guy, so. Um, but, yeah, like, there's plenty of people out there. Those Those games sell millions of copies. Instead of charging them the same amount that they would pay for, you know, a much better experience, charge them nothing and 
get it back in cosmetics. I, I, I hate to say that, but look at Fortnite. And I even hate to talk about Fortnite because, you know, screw those people. But Fortnite, look at Fortnite. It is a free-to-play game, but it's probably made, like, let's say 80 times more than The Crew 2 will ever make in its lifespan. In a month. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, if The Crew would have done that, then, like, I don't know, making it a $60 game might have just been shooting themselves in the foot. Because it's like, yeah, they could have made money. And they're, from what I know, because it's an Ubisoft game, no offense, obviously. From what I know, because it's an Ubisoft game, there are microtransactions in it. You can do certain things. Obviously, I don't, I wouldn't imagine it'd be anything uh, game related because they're not that stupid. They're not need for seed. <laughs> um, so even though they, even though they have, they already have microtransactions in it. So it's like they already could have made some kind of model to make it work, and it just it would have been so much better. Huh. Well, I definitely can't wait to hear what comes. I think the review for it was pretty good. I think it was about like an eight point five from IGN. So I can't yeah. wait to hear or see uh, gameplay coming out and see how the community reacts to it. But um, besides that, how's your shield progress been going in the division? Uh, that hasn't been going that great because I, I am stuck in the dark zone. You have to go get some points of interest and you definitely, when you get to the end game, it becomes more of a multiplayer game. The single player is pretty much level one to 30. You can play through the entire game, single player and enjoy the story, enjoy the world for what it is. You hit 30, and I really feel like it becomes more of a co-op game. And so I've tried a couple times going on to Discord. I've even gone on to the uh, Division Discord. And, you know, it's hard to find people who are the same level as me. Because when I did go to the Discord on the Division, they were way too far ahead of me. And so... Like, I was basically just following them around like a lost puppy, and that's not fun, you know? And so, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of not progressing at all, which sucks, because I did want to try to get into it so that I could, you know, have, a, you know, a, a jump start, I think is what they <laughs> have, a jump start at Division 2. So it's like, I was actually genuinely getting into it, but then I hit that, and it was pretty much just like hitting a wall, just, okay, um can't go anywhere <laughs> well hey if anyone's listening if you guys want to play the division with nick and help him out and help grind out those shields uh we'll we definitely would love to play with you guys so uh just let us know because like i may get into the every time you've asked to who wants to play the division i've been at work so it's like <laughs> i've been like well i would but i can't right now so yeah yeah but, i'm trying to get more games in at night and yeah. so you know people might be more um available at that time but yeah pretty much any night um after a certain point you know i'm able to start playing because like i can get the girls to bed and and get my stuff out of the way and so yeah it's pretty much um but mondays in particular i'm definitely trying to at least uh set some time aside uh just for the division so yeah it's just now it's a little bit more of a grind because I am trying to like get some more stuff to see if that'll help me in the dark zone. But then the dark zone levels up and I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, anyone feel free to help Nick out. I, d- I definitely know he would appreciate it. And I'll, I'll try to, but 
you know, my schedule is a little fluctuating. So, um, for me though, I have been playing Far Cry 5's first DLC, Hours of Darkness. Yeah, that's the Vietnam one, correct? That is correct. And Nick, let me tell you, this is scratching that itch. Really? This, you didn't get the ointment for that? I mean, the doctor prescribed no, it. No, and... I mean, the, 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 the rash was a little nuclear, mm-hmm. so I figured I was going to need some pretty heavy-duty medical-grade um, ointment. But, you know, this is just a little bit of a nice little like relief it's got some aloe vera and yeah. it's 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 you know it's it's let me scratch with ease so <laughs> <laughs> that took a weird that took a weird yeah. turn uh no but seriously hours of darkness is really really good um it is short so that is a little bit of a downside but if you well play... yeah it's not called days of darkness yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you play like like it, it's perfect for me and you yeah because the way we play this this DLC is wanting you to play this game stealth, um, mm, okay, based on yeah. based on the atmosphere and your surroundings, and you know you're trying to survive. You're more likely to go in guns blazing in Far Cry Five proper because that's the way the game is playing. You're building a militia pretty much, right, right. Whereas this, you are a crashed infantryman trying to save his uh, fallen, not his fallen, trying to save the, everyone else that that was hurt in the crash or that excuse me he's trying to save all the pow's that are in his group words words were hard there for a second so i Mm -hmm. I stumbled on that a little bit but um and so the main point is to survive it's like really any stealth far cry players dream i mean it really is it's it does some really cool things with its mechanics um, so what you do is you can play it guns blazing and they actually have a mode called action movie that oh, I'm going to, cool. that I'm going to try here in a little bit, but you basically, it gives you as many weapon slots as you want and just allows you to play it like Rambo. Like that's how it's designed. So it, that, that seems really interesting. But so what you do is, um, you get stealth kills and when you get more and more stealth kills, you have this bar, I think it's four or five icons. And basically each one gives you a different stealth perk. So one is like, one is adrenaline. So when you crouch, you, you know, you're walking faster when you're crouched. Another one is you will tag enemies that are, you know, near you kind of how Boomer does. And so it basically takes the mechanics that you get in Far Cry 5 and the perks that you would get through that. But, it counts as stealth kills. So when you get to the highest, you can keep that, but if you die or if you get spotted, it goes back down and you have to restart again. Oh, interesting. So for people who play Splinter Cell, it's kind of similar to, I think it was Blacklist was the last one that did it, or the, the second one that did it, where you had these, when you did stealth kills, you got these marks, and when you got enough, you could do that like cool quick time, shoot three oh, people in a row thing. Yeah. So it's very it's very similar to that, um, but the thing I love the most about it is the environment. Very similar to uh, Blood Dragon, like the environment is what's drawing you in. Mm-hmm. There are cool, like things in the distance to see. So when you look out in the distance, it's like fogs of war. Like it looks like literal fogs of war. Like you have red. It looks like color palette from Apocalypse Now. Oh, nice. It's, it's, it's really cool. And it does basically everything that Far Cry 5 does where you have to kind of discover things as you go. But in that setting, it matches up perfectly. 
because you know you're you're not you're in a foreign you're crashed in a foreign place you don't know anything so you're discovering it as you go um it's a lot more simple when it comes to mechanics but it incorporates far cry 5s in a way that makes me really excited to see what they could do with another proper far cry game um so like i said you can blow through it pretty fast if you want to just go in guns blazing Mm -hmm. um but it's taking it's take it took me a little bit longer to get through it just because i was playing it stealth right um but everything about it feels great it feels like a good mixture of three and five you know because you have that same kind of atmosphere interesting um but yeah, I I can't wait for the second DLC because this one, this one, if it's any indication of the rest, I think that they're going to have a really good DLC season. Right. I mean, if if it just keeps going up and up, and I mean, obviously, if if we go by the poster and the last one is the zombies, which I mean is the one everybody would want, and it's going to have seven seven different scenarios, then like yeah hopefully that is a good indication of okay here's one scenario pow's go save them alien you know getting off the alien world that one might be a little bit more open you get a jetpack you know some fun laser guns and stuff like that and then finally you know they finish with the bang hopefully that's that's what we're going to be up to as far as the stealth mechanics um, that sounds really cool. I unfortunately didn't get the season pass. Um, it came right at the point where it's like I had just enough for the game itself. And then we all know how I feel about the game. So it's like, <laughs> uh, do I want it? And uh, even the, uh, they just had like a sale or something that I could have got it for a reasonable price. And I'm like, uh, but Horizon Zero Dawn is like only twenty bucks, so okay, Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> it was a complete edition too, so I got robot dinosaurs. Um, so I, but one thing I'd like to throw out there: if we have another Far Cry, completely new game, I would like to see that same stealth mechanic, but. I think what would be a really cool thing is to have one meter for stealth mechanics and one meter for guns blazing. So have different perks and obviously each perk is going to help you be more of a stealthy killer. Then have on the other side, have a couple of perks that you can build up to. And then maybe the last one is like a freaking mortar strike or something like that. I think something like that would be really cool as far as like i don't know maybe maybe one's an adrenaline meter so your adrenaline's pumping because you're just killing you know guys left and right and you have your m60 out or whatever so the more your adrenaline goes up you start unlocking new perks like faster reload or um faster sprinting or something like that um and then obviously the stealth like you said ones you spot people and ones you move faster while crouched over so that sounds perfect keep that but then add the action side of it as well so that if you had that in far cry 6 and so you know you are if if they excuse me in this particular game it makes sense for them to incentivize you being stealthy but in a regular far cry game so far cry 6 if they only incentivized us to be stealthy well it's like the whole point of a far cry game is to play it your way so what they need to do is they need to have one to incentivize stealthiness and one to incentivize you know action movie yeah uh, i i definitely agree i definitely agree uh if anyone's listening and to you 
too, Nick. Uh, Far Cry Five Hours of Darkness by itself is eleven ninety nine. Right. So if you want to pick it up, you can pick it up outside of the season pass. So yeah, if there's anyone that felt a little burned, kind of like we did, <laughs> burned, felt a little burned like we did in Far Cry Five. This is definitely a really good. Um, if you ever went nuclear, <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a good like, not apology, but like okay, this is good. Like this is like I I want this. Like this, there's nothing really bad I have to say about Hours of Darkness because it's the it's the type of Far Cry that I want to play. Like I want that survival aspect, and 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 that really really gives it to you in spades in this DLC. So I highly highly recommend it. If you have the season pass, if not, it's eleven ninety nine up to your budget, but I think it's worth it. I think it's definitely worth a pickup. And it's cheaper than Blood Dragon. So I think Blood Dragon was bigger though. So take that into consideration as well. Now for the topic of the show. Topic of the show. 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 I want to talk about the new Assassin's Creed. Woo! Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey was revealed at E3. Well, no, actually, it was revealed way before E3. <laughs> but it was. God damn it, Walmart! <laughs> it was. Uh, it was definitely shown in full, completely at E3. Um, they basically showed off that they're changing the formula, like officially changing the formula to a more RPG-style game kind of like how they started with origins but i feel like even more so with odyssey from the stuff they showed off you can play as two separate characters you can um really just do big battle events which looks like it's going to be really cool and from the way they've shown off you can really craft the story how you want to and you have like dialogue trees which we didn't have before so those are some of the few ways now the thing i wanted to talk about is what does that mean going forward for the ac series I don't know how I feel about it personally because I've loved the Assassin's Creed games from the beginning and I really enjoyed the formula that they had. Now, yeah, right. I understand that there needed to be a change because, you know, sales and the fact of how often they were coming out was hurting them, but also they did probably need to switch it up. And Origins was great. Origins was definitely one of those that was like, oh, this actually works. Like this type of game, this universe can fit into an RPG. And Odyssey looks like it's going to be the same way, and it looks like it's probably going to be even better. I know for me and a lot of other people, Egypt I'm not really interested in. And, like, there's nothing yeah. against Egypt. It's just it's a time period that I rarely studied in school that I wanted to study in school. Mm-hmm. And it's just nothing that I really thought was super interesting. Um, the thing that I loved about Origins is the character. Bayek is probably one of my favorite protagonists of the series like his character made me want to continue playing the game and you know the changes of course mechanics wise but it looks like they're completely rolling that out and just boom like here it is for odyssey and greece looks incredible right i'm more excited for this one than i was for origins because uh, like i love that time period the the spartans is one probably not one of my favorites but a specific point in history that I really enjoyed studying. Oh yeah. And so it's one of those that this looks like it's going to be just full of character, full of like color, especially the game looks absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I'm excited about the most is like you're saying the Greek aspect of it, um, being able to go through like the Greek gods 
and maybe seeing what kind of effect that has on the people and and things like that. Not only that, but the fact that, you know, Spartans exist and we're going to be fighting with them alongside them. That really, really excites me because, you know, that mindset that a Spartan has and, you know, being so gung-ho to the fact that it's like, you know, the only glorious death is in battle, you know, that kind of mindset or whatever I think is really cool. And I, I feel like story-wise, um, I'm hoping Odyssey isn't just a, a subtitle. If we go through the Odyssey, like the actual like old play or whatever, if we actually go through like key moments in the Odyssey, that would that would like make me a break. I mean, I, that would be so freaking awesome. The thing that worries me is that because you have the option of playing two different two different characters, you can either play as Alexios or Cassandra. Depending on which one you pick may not be canonical for the main story or the main Assassin's Creed universe. So I'm interested how that's going to play out. Interesting, um, yeah. Because <sighs> there's always been the second story going on in the Assassin's Creed games. You had the, right. you know, the Ezio and then the Desmond stuff, which is the Desmond stuff I loved. And it seemed like they focused more in Origins on the bayek setting rather than the real life but you still had a good amount of the real life world going on so i'll be interested to see how that plays out my question for you is i don't know i don't know your assassin's creed lineage so Mm -hmm. what is what do you what does this game do for you that maybe others didn't in the past setting (laughs) the setting and setting selling yep 100 percent. it's the setting um you know back when it first um started i want to say it was in israel then it moved to like italy then it moved to united states mm-hmm. um then what was it london for well, unity? the, the, the Car- well the caribbean was for four okay and then unity was uh france and then uh syndicate was london oh okay so yeah they, they've been all over the place um and different even different time periods or whatever but this particular setting during this particular time set is extremely interesting and it's like it's like making gods of egypt with gerard butler versus clash of the titans with sam whatever the fuck his name Wait, is where? no no i'm sorry sam uh sam worthington Worthington, there we go. Yeah, Whitworth you know, somebody else. Um, they're both really terrible movies, just absolutely terrible. But I'm so much more interested in Clash of the Titans because it's like, you know, it's freaking Greek gods and stuff. So, yeah, 100% it's, it's the setting. Everything else about it worries the hell out of me. RPG, okay, that's fine. But, like, the fact that you have, like, this the spear of destiny or whatever. And so you're able to do like this magical stuff. Like once again, like where you were coming from, where it's like, yeah, they needed to make a change. They needed to make it different. But one thing about Assassin's Creed that has always been prevalent is it's historical, maybe not accuracy, but it's historic. You're living through history. So like in three, you were living through the revolutionary war 
And so like living through that and then even one of their DLCs was George Washington ended up becoming a tyrant rather than the person we know and love. Uh-huh. And so those type of th- even though George Washington never became a tyrant, everything was based on reality. And so now we have these RPG factors coming in and you're able to do like this magical ground pound because it's an RPG and you need an AOE. So I, that's the only part I don't necessarily like about it. So I'm, you know, it's one of those wait and see things about it. Honestly, I 100% agree. That's why I loved Assassin's Creed games is because they were historically accurate to an extent. Right. And, but then you had that underlying thing about uh, the Apple of Eden and like mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the original people. You know, you had Juno and all these other like figures that necessarily, I guess, in, in mythology are real, but like to us, it's not. So when you play with those kind of ideas, that's what made it so interesting. The story of those games is, is what I loved. Yeah. And that was what, that was my worry with Origins. The thing with Origins, why I like it so much is I love the gameplay of it. The story, I can't tell you much about, apart from the fact that I like Bayek's cutscenes and I like him as a character. But besides that, the thing I love about Origins is its gameplay. Because it's the Assassin's Creed game I love, combat, mechanics, everything dialed up to 11. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those that... I, I can't say that I want like a different Assassin's Creed to go with this new formula they're going with because i think that's just going to be too much but if they're deciding to set aside what they have done before that is going to be a little disappointing just because that's why i love those games you know i still will go back and play brotherhood or play assassin's creed 3 just because like i'm enthralled in the story that they're telling Mm -hmm. so on the plus side something that origins did that was really cool in a more games as a service side is they had live events and their live events were you basically battling these animus glitches that were these Egyptian gods. Like you had Sekhmet and you had Anubis and stuff like that. So imagine doing that with Greek gods. Hell yeah. Like you're doing some God of war type stuff in Assassin's Mm -hmm. Creed. That sounds really awesome. And I'm with you. I'm definitely probably going to pick it up just because I'm a sucker for these games, but I am interested to see how this game is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Because also the draw to the other Assassin's Creed is I could knock them out in an extended period of time. The problem with Orange is I still haven't beat Origins, and it's because the game is so huge and I have so many other games to play. Mm -hmm. That's, That's not great for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the historical accuracy is really one of the only negatives. I mean, even if you look at Origins, Origins came out with a, like, walking simulator version of it where you could just go because they were so proud of how historically accurate they were of their uh-huh. redepiction re- of Egypt that they're like, hey, you can just walk through it. You don't have to worry about combat. You don't have, like, they were so proud of that. And so then to go, like, this magic route, I like, Honestly, that's kind of just something I'm hung up on. Like, it's definitely going to be a rent for me just because I loved um, the combat, but it was just like everything else was not 
good for me. So I really want to kind of hold my judgment. I'll, I'll rent it, see how I like it. And then kind of just go from there, honestly. That's something I think that they're aware of. So I'm wondering if that's a, I wonder if we're just not understanding that, or if that's something like, Hey, you have this special ability. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what their response is on that, or if they don't say anything, how it comes out and release. Cause it's coming out this year. Right. So I guess we'll have to wait thing. and see. Everything is just so goddamn jam packed this, this coming season. Like oh, you're putting, me. putting Assassin's Creed aside. First off a uh, quick Google search. When does it come out? So you can get it first. Ready? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're October 5th, 2018. Damn <laughs> it. All right. So, okay. You said, say that again. I didn't say anything. No. Say when it comes out again. Oh, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins is going to be coming out October 5th, 2018. October 5th, 2018. Okay. If you are a PlayStation owner, which there's probably a lot of you out there. If you are a PlayStation owner, that gives you exactly 28 days to do everything you want in Spider-Man. Yep. Because it comes out September 7th, 2018. So, yeah, we're talking a month to get through Spider-Man and just, you know, all the side stuff, you know, and... I don't know. And even then you have Red Dead after that. Red Dead Ex- comes out October 26th. Exactly. So we have these giant open worlds sandwiched in between each other. So like if you're a comic book fan and let's say you have enough for exactly one game this season. You want to make the best out of it because you um because you know you want to make sure you get your money's worth so you want a big meaty game so you could get like a call of duty or something like that but that's not going to be as meaty as like a spider-man assassin's creed or red dead redemption so let's say you only have one that you can do if you love rockstar you're gonna get red dead just into question but let's say you want to hold that off like me (laughs) and you have a choice between spider-man and assassin's creed right off the bat like i i don't know spider-man i feel like i feel like both of these games have something to prove but if spider-man comes out and on the eighth i have people telling me that it's like a nine or even like an 8.5 i'm gonna be like hell yeah i'm getting it you know whereas like assassin's creed if they come out and they get a 8.5 let's say I kind of just expect that, you know, it's like, it's an Assassin's Creed game. It's a good game. And that's not to say anything bad against Ubisoft or the people who make Assassin's Creed games, but it's like, yeah, that's something I expect. Whereas Spider-Man, I don't know what to expect with it. So if somebody tells me that it's a good game and I need to play it, I'm more likely to buy that over Assassin's Creed. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what's going first for me this year. I honestly don't. Is that our, Spider-Man for sure is a day one pickup, but like I didn't get Assassin's Creed until a little bit after Christmas. And then that's when I started playing it. So Assassin's Creed may be a spring game for me. I don't, it's that, that's the problem I have. Spring is so loaded. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the problem I have with these. Oh yeah. February, everything. (laughs) That's the problem I have with this new formula of Assassin's Creed is it's just a game. I love that. I don't know if I'm going to get to. Yeah. Right. 
So, I mean, I guess that's the problem we're going to have going forward with games is they're just getting so, so big. But I really feel like we're going to get to a point where we're going to stop open worlds and go back to linear stories, like more and more linear games. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, who knows, honestly. Jesus. Jesus, no. All right, for the last segment of the show, it's goddamn <laughs> All right, now for the last segment of the show, it's a little fun one we like to call You, Me, and Ubi. This is where we take a look back at some of the games from Ubisoft's past, talk about them, give you a little kick of nostalgia right towards the end of the show. Uh, this week, we have Red Steel. Yeah, we're we're both really excited about Red Steel. Uh, (laughs) Red Steel is the Wii game, and Red Steel 2 came out on the Wii as well. Hold on, let me start the game. Red Steel came out for the Wii. It was kind of one of the big first motion action shooting games that came out on the Wii. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was released November 19th, 2006. That game is over 10 years old. Oh, wow. Jesus. Jesus. Or just a couple farts. Or just a couple of words, yeah. It actually came out with a not that bad of a score at about a 63 on Metacritic. So That's, that's horrible in some people's cases. <laughs> it is, but it, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. So what are your memories on Red Steel? Um, I played it well, well after the fact. Um, but my memories on it were that... Um, it was it was it was very 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 mediocre. So like six point or six three or six point three, whatever your scale is, is probably about right. I mean maybe a seven because it's a Wii game. What are you expecting? <laughs> right. Um, other than obviously if it was a mainline like Mario or something, Mario Galaxy, yeah, that's like an eleven out of ten. So, um, but yeah, this it was really cool. Um, I feel like this was one of the first games that shows you the premise of a first-person shooter on the Wii and how that could work. And for that reason, I really enjoyed it. Um, to this day, like that was that's probably one of my favorite type of games is a like is a shooter but i'm using a cursor because then like it's just that tactile feeling of like actually aiming at the screen and shooting but it was also i could move myself around rather than like a um a ghost in the what's it called ghost something i don't know it was like an arcade shooter it was literally an arcade shooter so obviously you're on rails you know, it moves over here, stops, pow, 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 move over here, stop, pow, pow, pow. You know, it just keeps do. it just does that over and over again. And that's fun. It's arcadey. You know, it's like, hey, I don't, I only have like, you know, 10 minutes to spare. Let me go through a round of, you know, um, that thing I'm thinking of. <laughs> um, I can't think of the name for some reason. Anyways, um, it also came out on the Wii or a version of it came out on the Wii. So that's why I'm fixated on it um but here we have something that's kind of like an on-rail shooter but you get to decide where you're going you get to decide you know you know if you're if you take cover and like that little bit was enough to be like this is this is kind of cool 
Yeah, Red Steel, for me, I have good memories on it because it reminds me of that very experimental time period that that was going on when the Wii came out. Yeah. Like, you had just these, like, tech demos, basically, of what this console could do. And I just remember sitting in front of my TV figuring out, oh, what does this game do? Oh, what does this game do? And, like, looking back on it now, especially, like, the game, of course, looks like it was on the Wii. Like, every Wii game had that very particular look because it was... The only yeah, console that PS2. was. <laughs> well, like it. Well, when the Wii came out, we were well. Shortly after the Wii came out, we had already gotten into HD with the Xbox 360, and shortly after the PS3. Right. right. So it was the only console that, at that time, of the 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 current gen, was not HD. So <laughs> you don't really notice that change until you get those later consoles. But Red Steel, I think they definitely made up for it in the sequel, Red Steel Two. Because they were like, let's have less of a real game and more of just an arcadey what this game needs to be. Yeah. But I just thought it was so cool how they combined the sword combat and like just the gunplay. Like it was just, it was very experimental at the time, but it was also just really fun. Yeah. You know, I think it was really cool. As far as like, I think when you pulled out a sword, like you basically pushed a button, which kind of like, stood you in place so then when you were swinging because obviously like how a first person works on the wii is like when you point towards like the towards the edge of the screen that's how you turned Uh and so and so with the sword so you weren't just like looking all over the place while you're trying to swing a sword um it basically locked you into place and so having these moments where like you know you get to like lock yourself down and then just like pull out your samurai and do some cool stuff. Um, that, that was definitely like a really cool experience. I think. Yeah. Looking uh, on boss battles on red steel. I remember being able to use the nunchuck and the Wiimote. So you would have that like Tonto blade that was kind right, of your right. like dodging or your, your blocking and just doing stuff like that. It just, I like I I still have those muscle memories of playing those games like that on the Wii and it it's definitely a good nostalgia feel but is is it a great game especially by today's standards in no way shape or form yeah. but back then it was definitely a cool experimental thing that happened you know it happened yeah I mean if you think about it put some goggles on and that's that's a VR game right there oh yeah yeah for sure yeah, I but. mean, it's something, if they, like, rebooted Red Steel, or they did, like, a spiritual successor to it, but they did it on, like, the uh, the PlayStation VR or something, that would be freaking awesome. I think, I, I think the mechanics and the overall premise of Red Steel is a good one. The execution of it, that was kind of iffy, um, but like I said, like, one of my favorite ways to do a shooter was to just point at the screen you know and just you add that with some with some vr and now not only are you immersed in the world because you you have that tactile feel where you're pointing a gun but you're actually immersed into it because it's on it's on your face you look around and you're looking around in the world something like that if they rebooted that on on the playstation and you know obviously they could call it something else maybe it could be like purple aluminum um but you did something like that i think it'd be really cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure especially if you give us like a red steel 2 because red steel 2's like they oh hold on no yeah i totally agree 
Like give us Ubisoft, give us give us a Red Steel sequel in VR. That's what we yeah. want. That's yeah. what everybody wants. <laughs> everybody wants it. They just they're scared. They're scared little sheeple not a, not speaking up. So we're speaking for them. <laughs> Well, if there's any games that you guys want us to do a showcase on for Yumi and Ubi, we'll be happy to do it. If not, there's a like just a plethora of games in Ubisoft's past that we can go through and give you some nostalgia. Yeah, maybe we'll start. Let's start with the first one next time. That's what we'll do. Very first Ubi game ever, and then we'll wait for suggestions. Sure, sure. I'm glad you like that idea. I did. I did very much. Thank yeah, you. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks like that's going to do it for episode two of UB Chat. We'd love to hear more feedback from you guys. We'd love to get a bigger community growing. We'd love to play some games with you guys in particular. Help Nick get those shields. Um, play some Siege. Play Far Cry. We, we really we would love to play some more of these games with you guys. So if you would like to hit us up on our Twitter at UbiChat or jump in our Discord, information will be on our Twitter as well. You are, we would very much appreciate it if you do. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps us get up in the charts and ends up giving you a better show. Well, I've been Nate. And this is Nick. Thank you for tuning in to UbiChat and we be seeing you later. Because, like, yeah, you started off the, the outro, you started off as, okay, that's the end of Ubi Chat. And so, thanks for tuning in is the perfect, like, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. So, make that face at me. I can fucking see you. <laughs> sometimes, whenever, like, I get done, sometimes, whenever I get done, I'll click on my window on the Hangout and I'll just, like, make faces at myself. Wow. Okay, there you go. There you go. Go, go check. Pretty good? <sighs> Usually we have to stop every once in a while, but I feel like this time we definitely stopped like three or four times just because I heard like, hey, hey. <laughs> like it, the, the last time I stopped it because I could hear her in the other room. Dad, dad, dad. <laughs> so I go in there. I'm like, what? And she's like, I'm going potty. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Did you stop recording? Thank you. Yet? Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> okay, good. I <laughs> That's a blooper. Dad, dad, I'm going potty. <laughs> well, looks like that's going to do it for episode two of UB Chat. I uh, had a lot of fun. Oh, damn it, let me do, do it. Do it again. Well, looks like that about... Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> well, looks like that's going to do it for episode two of UB Chat. Uh, if there's any games that you guys want us to cover on... Damn it, I had it. Well, looks like that about... Fucking... God. <laughs> Well, look, you're thinking too much. Am, Just I stop thinking. Much. Like that's that's what I do when I'm on the mic. I don't think that hurts my brain cells. Uh, I've been Nate, and this was Nick, and we be seeing you later. No, it's not how it goes. Okay, try it again. <laughs>